Welcome to the podcast, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais, where we'll discuss the latest and simplest legal strategies and tactics available for you to protect your estate for yourself and your family, all in easy-to-understand terms. It's all about protecting your estate now, so you and your loved ones can reap the benefits later. And now your host, estate planning attorney, Paul Rabelais. Hey everybody, Paul Rabelais here, and in this podcast, we're going to discuss the required minimum distribution rules when someone names a trust for a non-spouse individual as the beneficiary of their IRA. So a lot there. It's a complicated topic. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to lots of podcasts and videos uh, breaking down the required minimum distribution rules on in, in many, many different scenarios. This is a topic where really I think there's very few people that, that fully understand all of the rules um, because there are many, many rules, although some people think they know the rules, they really don't. And even as I, you know, been doing this stuff for almost 30 years now and reviewing rules and regulations, even I learn new stuff every day as I, you know, sort my way through all of this. So on this podcast, we're going to keep it pretty simple and just go through one scenario, although a fairly common scenario, and then other podcasts will will build from there. Okay, so um, got to take some little baby steps to get us where we need to be. So to to thoroughly cover the topic that for this webinar, I have to back up and talk about the required minimum minimum distribution rules for a non-spouse beneficiary, and then roll into how naming a trust for a non-spouse beneficiary affects required minimum distribution. So that's a mouthful. Let me just give you a basic kind of real life example. So let's say, let's call him dad. Dad has an IRA and it's, let's say it's a fairly healthy IRA. You know, perhaps dad, you know, worked um, for a company for many, many years. He wound up retiring and uh, rolling over his company 401k plan into an IRA, an individual retirement account. And it really doesn't matter how old dad is for purposes of this example, um, for purpose, purposes of this example, whatever it is. Uh, dad could be 55, he could be 65, he could be 75, he could be 85. Some people think that whether dad dies before he's 70 and a half or after 70 and a half affects this example, but it doesn't affect this example. So uh, dad has an IRA and let's just say the value of it is $500,000. And really the rules are the same whether it's worth $500 or $5 million. But let's say for purposes of our example, $500,000. Dad has named one individual, his son, as the beneficiary on his IRA beneficiary designation form and son is 30 years old when dad dies. Okay, so dad dies and the first thing that typically happens is dad's IRA is transferred to son's, what we'll call son's inherited 
IRA, and there's $500,000 in son's inherited IRA. Son's 30 years old. Let me let me go through a quick couple of misconceptions. Some people mistakenly think that the son can wait until he's 70 and a half before he has to start taking distributions out of this inherited IRA that he got from his father. That's not true. Some also think that son will be penalized for for withdrawing or taking distributions prior to his age 59 and a half. That also is not true. So those two rules that I just mentioned, they don't apply to inherited IRAs. Now, what can the son do? We're not talking about yet on on what will the son do, but but what are the son's options? Well, you know, most um, kind of astute, perhaps responsible, maybe kind of the the common sense, although there's lots of arguments that son should do this or that based on his um, tax rate, future projected tax rate, uh, his the size of his own estate, many, many, many things. But common belief is that, son, you know, if, if son is going to be smart, He's going to follow the rules that says the son may take distributions based on his, the son's, remaining life expectancy. So if he's 30 years old, we look at the tables, he has a life expectancy to age 83. So that's roughly a 53-year life expectancy. He is required to take out at least one fifty-third, or about 1.9% of that IRA um, the year after dad passes away, and then he'll continue to take uh, required distributions uh, based on the life expectancy every subsequent year. So he's going to be taking out um, really small distributions. If it was $500,000, and let's say his required distribution is 2%, that's $10,000. He's going to take out that $10,000 required distribution, leaving in there four ninety dollars roughly, and I realize there could be appreciation and growth or whatever. Um, and but he'd only have to pay income tax on that ten thousand dollar distribution. The, the remaining four ninety would would stay in the inherited IRA, um, presumably to continue to grow. And then the next year there'd be another um, distribution, maybe similar to the previous year's distribution. And that's a good way to defer income tax, let it continue to grow, get distributions over his lifetime. Now. Uh, what dad is worried about as dad is putting his legal affairs in order is he's maybe saying to himself or he may be saying to me, you know what, Paul? My son is, um, he's a bum. Or he might say, uh, might be defending his son and he might say, you know what, Paul? Uh, my son is married to a woman and if I leave this money to my son, she's going to blow it. Because she has, you know, so much influence over him. She wasn't raised right. She spends money. She buys too much jewelry. She drives expensive cars. She doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. So dad's fear is that when dad dies, even though son is permitted just to take, you know, minimum distributions and really allow it to continue to grow and benefit son for the rest of his life, dad fears that either son on his own or through influence from his wife or some other person, 
son's just going to say, give me the money. And he'll have a right to say, give me the money. And so they give him the $500,000. Maybe he doesn't even, isn't even smart enough to um, withhold or make sure the income tax on that 500000 gets paid roughly maybe 40% or so. And son goes out and blows it. He buys a boat. He buys a truck. He takes some really nice trips. He buys his wife some jewelry. Next thing you know, gone. And maybe son didn't even bother to pay the income tax. Then he's got a huge problem. He's got $500,000 of income and, and no money with which to pay the income tax to the federal government and the state. So that's what dad fears is going to happen. So dad's, you know, wondering, is there anything that I can do to help preserve this for my son and really, you know, protect him from himself? So that's where we start talking about naming trusts as beneficiaries of IRAs. And I'm going to, I'm going to use the term ineligible trust, and I'm going to use uh, terms Look through trust or see through trust. So, so let's get into that. Let me just start by this ineligible trust um, discussion. So, dad could name a trust for his son as as the beneficiary, and let's hope it's not an ineligible trust. And we'll have to define that in a minute. But if it's an ineligible trust, then uh, the uh, account is going to have to be. Uh, emptied out and tax is going to have to be paid uh, within five years after dad dies. So dad doesn't want that. So we start talking to dad about a, um, or well, I say that, say five years. And this is where it's, it, it depends on how old dad was when he died. If, if um, dad died before he started taking his required uh, distributions, uh, payout has to be in five years to an ineligible trust. After uh, required beginning date, um, it's based on dad's remaining life expectancy. So uh, dad doesn't like that. So we start talking about with dad about naming a, you could call it a look-through trust or you could call it a see-through trust. Same thing. Here's the way that works. Um, when a trust is named as a beneficiary of an IRA, and, and that trust is for a non-spouse beneficiary, then we get to look through the trust and see who the beneficiaries are and, and uh, use that beneficiary's life expectancy for purposes of determining the required um, minimum distribution. So let's say dad's thought process is, I want to set it up so that my son doesn't have the right to just take the money and blow it. Uh, I want him to get that required distribution because I can't do anything about that anyway. He's got to get that. And, you know, if it's determined that he needs some extra money because he has a medical need or he wants to go back to school or there's a really, you know, legitimate reason for him to get extra money over and above the required distribution amount, I want to make sure his basic needs are taken care of. I just don't want him to have the opportunity to blow it. So that's when we talk about setting up a look-through or see-through trust for son. And so here's the way that works. If it, if it qualifies as a look-through trust, 
then you can look through the trust to the life expectancy of the trust beneficiary um, to determine those required minimum distribution amounts. So dad dies, the uh, son look through trust is the designated beneficiary. Um, dad dies, the trustee of the son look through trust um, then uh, you know applies for those benefits and if the trust meets four requirements the the four requirements for a look through or see through trust then as i said earlier you can look through the trust to the life expectancy of the trust beneficiary so um so that way uh i mentioned earlier on that five hundred thousand dollar ira son may get distributions of ten thousand dollars in the first year um, and those distributions may go up a little bit from year to year, depending upon son's life expectancy and depending upon the investment performance of the underlying IRA assets. So, but in order to get that um, that special look through trust uh, treatment, then four requirements must be met for the trust. Let me walk through what those are. First one, trust must be a valid trust under state law. That's not too difficult to meet that requirement. Second one, trust must be irrevocable or irrevocable upon the death of the employee or IRA owner. Again, if, if, if we know what we're doing, that one's not too difficult to meet either. Next one, beneficiaries of the trust are identifiable from the trust instrument. Again, you know, son is designated as the beneficiary of the trust in the trust instrument. Not too hard to meet that one. And then the fourth requirement is documentation must be you know, provided to the plan administrator. So as long as those requirements are met, then son is not going to be able to blow that money. Now, that's assuming that son is not the trustee of the son look through trust. So some other trustee will need to be named. And sometimes that's a challenge um, for for IRA owners. Who who do I want to name as the trustee of, of my son's look through trust? Is it going to be an individual? Is it going to be a, a, a corporate trustee? So those are decisions that that have to be made. But the result of it is son can't blow it. Son's going to get a distribution every year. Um, really every year until he's 83 years old. So he, when he's 30 when dad dies and he gets a di distribution every year for his remaining 53-year life expectancy until he's 83. And perhaps the trust says if he needs an additional distribution, he can get it for kind of the common standards are health, education, maintenance, and support. So that way if the son really does need it and he can prove to the trustee that he needs it, he can get extra over and above the required distribution. Okay, so what we did not address in this podcast is when there's a surviving spouse involved. There's a completely set of required minimum distribution rules when a spouse is a beneficiary of an IRA or a, or a spouse is a beneficiary of a trust that is named as a beneficiary of an IRA. So uh, that'll be covered in other material we didn't address in this podcast the concept of multiple uh, beneficiaries and separate accounts. 
And we didn't address the consequences of naming a charity and a state or in, or really we didn't talk too much about an ineligible trust as a beneficiary. So what this was about is an IRA owner who wants to name wants to benefit a younger beneficiary, oftentimes a child who's not a spouse, and they they are worried that that beneficiary is not responsible enough to do the right thing. So they want to name a trust as the beneficiary, but they still want to get the tax deferral that would be uh, achieved if the IRA owner named an individual as a beneficiary. So uh, look through or see through trust is oftentimes the answer to that issue Know that there are so many other types of circumstances and regulations, so got to be really on top of things to get this right, or it may very well cause, um, you know, income tax issues that were unforeseen. So hope that helps. Uh, Y'all make sure you go out and take care of your business. Leave a legacy. Um, What you do today can have an impact for generations to come. I'm Paul Rabelais. Y'all have a great day.